What a great day. Wasn't that a powerful song? Let's give our God a hand, man. He's so worthy of all of our praise. So worthy. We're starting a new series this morning. It'll be the month of September here. We're going to look at hashtag I love my church. And uh, some of you are asking, what's a hashtag? Hashtag is the little pound sign, okay? And now the next question is, why the hashtag, right? That's so you can search it on the internet. For those of you that don't know, half of my Saturday night group were like, why you put a pound sign up in front of there? I was like, well, that's it, all right? So uh, hashtag I love my church. Uh, about two years ago, we, we did a little series on this, and this is not a repeat of that series, but it is a refocus on our church. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at, look at the church and say, you know, what are we here for? What are we all about? You know, why do you need to be a part of a local church? Uh, and every one of us, we had, we had to cancel something else to be here. Uh, even if it was just sleeping in, right? If you were just sleeping in and enjoying the day somewhere else, uh, you could be sleeping in. Uh, on a nicer day, you could be golfing, right? Uh, you, you could be doing any number of things, hanging out on the river, doing, doing whatever it takes. But today, you've decided to come, and you're here. And, and for many of us, we make that decision to be here on a regular basis. We are here. And so that's why we're going to talk about hashtag I love my church. And as we get into this, I, I just want us to, to really have to know the why of what we're doing here, to really understand why we've come together. We're, 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 we don't have to be here. We want to be here. It's an exciting place to be. And as you come and you hang out here, um, this is a, really a gift from God. The church is a gift from God. I want you to catch that. So uh, this morning, Matthew 16, 18 is probably, to me, one of the most powerful verses about the church because Jesus is talking about the church here. And look what he says. He says, I also say to you, Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Now, I want you to think about this. We're just going to leave this verse up here for a little while here because here's what happened. In this passage, Peter had been talking to Jesus. Jesus was talking with his disciples, and they were having a discussion. And Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? And he was in this, they were in this town. It was Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea of Philippi was a, it was known as Sin City. It would be like Las Vegas today. It was just all this corruption everywhere. And Jesus is taking his disciples through there. He, uh, he had a plan. He was going through there. And as he's going through there, he stops and he has a teaching moment. And he says, all right, folks, here we are. We're in the middle of Sin City. Who do men say that I am? And, and the disciples, they responded, well, some say you're a good man. Some say you're a prophet. And, and he goes, but Peter... Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds to him, you are the son of God. You are the son of the living God. And so what he did was he identified him as the Messiah, as the one true God. And he identified Jesus as God. And Peter, now this is his response. Jesus responds back to Peter, says, Peter, he says, I'm now telling you that you are Peter. And he says it because Peter, his name is, means rock, Petrus. All right, and so small p. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, small p, the rock. And if you knew anything about Peter's life, Peter was up and down. It's amazing that he has the name rock because this guy was all over the place. 
You look through the Gospels, you see Peter's up, you see Peter's down. One moment he's denying Christ. The next minute he's preaching the greatest sermon that was ever preached and 3,000 people started the church of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts, all right? So it's like, wow, how does this happen? God produces, God changes our lives, right? But he says to Peter, he says, Peter, you're a small, small, pot, small rock, Petros. He says, on this rock, he said to the verse before it, on this rock, the fact, what you just said, Peter, that I am the son of the living God, that I am God. Upon that rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against what Jesus is going to build. He's going to build his church. And he says very clearly that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's no way. Now, understand what a gate was. In ancient, ancient Israel, they would, put, they would put a city. Jerusalem had walls around the city. The different cities would have a wall around it. And around the wall was a gate. And the gate was a moment of defense. It was, it was a protection on the city. Um, so, so when you would come in, that's where the guards would be. They're, they would have people defending because that would be the most likely place to get in. So when Jesus says this, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He's telling us a little bit about the mission of the church. The mission of the church is that we are going to be going against evil. We are going to be going against bad things. We are going to go into the very clutches of hell and bring people to Jesus Christ. I often say that sometimes, you know, in church work, if you're going to bring people to heaven, you're going to take them out of hell, sometimes you're going to smell like smoke, right? And it's because we're just going to be going out, we're going to be pulling people out of the clutches, out of the grips, uh, and it's hard life. And sometimes we see people's lives, it takes some time to change, but the gates of hell will not prevail. Can we give God a hand for that? That is a powerful statement from, from Jesus. So Jesus is our master, and he says, upon this rock I will build my church. So he's in Caesarea Philippi. What was he meaning? Was he meaning he's going to build a church? So in the English language, we look at, and we use the word church. So you think of this building. You think of, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, remember? Open the doors, and out come the people. You remember that when you were a kid, all right? And, uh, and so that's not what he was talking about. The church is not a building. Now, in our English language, we refer to this building as a church. There's a steeple. You kind of identified it. We have Crossroads Ministries. You know, you know this is a church. But that wasn't what Jesus was talking about. The church is, is not a building. It's the word, um, the, this word here is a Greek word. So I don't know a whole lot of Greek. I know how to look it up though, okay? Ekklesia. And it means the, called, the, the ones called out, the called out ones. And so ecclesia was also used. Jesus wasn't the first person to use that word, ecclesia. So when, in the Greek, it says, you know, the gates of hell. I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my ecclesia. The ecclesia is the called out ones. And in Greek culture, what would happen, they would go around, they would, they would form an ecclesia. And the ecclesia would typically be around like a political involvement, all right? And they would gather their ecclesia. So they would be the called out ones. So you were called out. In other words, your neighbor might not be a part of the ecclesia, but you are. So you were called out. You came down. And here's the clicker. The next part is to do something. You were called out to do something. 
So when Jesus uses this word, he borrows from the Greek language here. He says, I will build my ecclesia. They all knew that they knew ecclesia in secular language, but they didn't know it from Jesus. And they're probably a little bit puzzled. What is he talking about? He wasn't building brick and mortar, folks. He said upon this fact that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus was the Messiah, that he would build his church. And that on that fact, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So this morning, what I'd like to do is uh, I'd, like, I'd like to, we're just going to look at, at what a church can look like, at what his church may look like. So when he's talking about it, you know, in the scripture, we see it 114 times that word ecclesia is used. 109 times it's used very specifically about the community of believers. The community of those who claim to be a part of the family of God. A community of those that understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, these were the folks that came, they got baptized. You see them in, in the book of Acts, they, they got baptized. It was their outward sign of their inward decision. They said, yes, I'm identifying with Jesus. I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, th- th- this is who they were. And, it, and we see this used 109 times in, in the New Testament referring to this community, his ecclesia, his church. So it is something much bigger than brick and mortar. If you think of church as these walls and the steeple, you've missed the point of church. That's a very small view of the church. The church is universal. The church is around the world. The church is in Ecuador. Fernando Basser, who was here this morning, shared with you a little bit about, and you, you saw the, the place where their teenagers meet. And I thought, how, how cool is that? Uh, we were, we're just getting all excited. We're opening up our youth ministry on Wednesday night. It's called Elevate. Can we give our students a hand, man? I'm excited about what God's going to do this week, right? I'm super excited. Our student pastor, Pastor Eric, is, is fired up. Our youth leaders are fired up. I want to encourage you, tell the teenagers, teenagers, invite your friends. Come out to, to Elevate on Wednesday. Come out on uh, uh, the ramp. We got all kind of things. Look in the Bolton. I don't even know what's going on, all right? But check it out. Why? Because God is doing something, and you're his called out ones. So his called out ones, the, the young people, the church, of the church, you're his ecclesia. Guess what? They're gathering on Wednesday night at 9, at nine o'clock, 7. I don't know. Look in the Bolton, all right? They're, they are gathering this week. Wednesday night, our ecclesia is gathering with a men's group. I want to encourage you, men, come out and be a part of our ecclesia, our called out ones. We're going to open up God's word. Chuck Green, one of our great Bible teachers, be teaching in the men's group. Nancy Baker, great Bible teacher, is going to be teaching in the, in the women's group. I'm excited about what God is doing here. Why? Because this isn't programs, folks. This is the gathering of the body of Christ. We want you to get into life groups. Why? Because this is the gathering of the church. This is his ecclesia. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you may think it's a bad day. You may think, you know, some days I come up and I say, oh, man, this is hard. And I am reminded that the gates of hell will not prevail against what we're doing here. Can we say an amen to God, man? What a great God we serve. That's why I love my church. Because it's his church. And so as we look at this this morning, I'm, I'm going to share with you uh, from Paul shared here in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible, that's fine. There are Bibles on the rack in front of you. They're also going to be on the screen up here. So I'd like to just share with you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Look at what the Apostle Paul says, and we're going to find three snapshots of the church in these few verses. There's about four verses here with three snapshots. 
He says, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation uh, of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Let's go back to verse 19 here. He says, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. What's he talking about? You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. What he's saying is here, he's saying that in our natural state spiritually, we're not at home in this world. This world cannot produce what your deepest desires are. Now check that out. Your deepest desires, the world cannot produce it. The human heart, the human soul is only at home in God. Psalm chapter 90 says that we get our eternal home is in God. Home is where things are the way that you like them. Did you ever notice that? When you go home, that's where everything is the way that you like it. You have your pillow. You love your pillow, don't you? Did you ever go to a hotel and wish you had your pillow? Anytime we go anywhere now, my wife carries our pillow to the hotel. Why? Because when you go to a hotel, it's just not home. It may be a great hotel. It may have five-star reviews, but it's not home. It's not your pillow. And that's what this, the world is like for us. It's not home. Spiritually, without Christ, it cannot, the world cannot produce. It cannot meet your needs. Um, Martin Hittiger, he was a, a, um, a German philosopher. And I, I'd like to just illustrate this not being at home here. I don't know if this guy was even a believer. I don't think he was. But he, he used this word to describe. He said, all human beings are unheimlichkeit. Isn't that cool? In German, you can just make up words, right? Unheimlichkeit. And here's what it meant. He said that all human beings are homeless, alienated, radically out of place, and profoundly lonely. Hmm. One of his, uh, one, one of his good friends, uh, Albert Camus, he was a, a French philosopher, and uh, he agreed. And he wrote, a, he wrote a novel called The Fall. And in The Fall, there's two people that are talking back and forth and Let me just share a little bit of what he says in there, just out of his novel. He says, beauty is unbearable. It drives us to despair, offering us for a minute the glimpse of an eternity that we should like to stretch out over the whole of time. Ah, mon cher, for anyone who is alone, without God and without a master, the weight of days is dreadful. For for most, the approach of a dinner the arrival of a letter from home or a smile from a passing girl are enough to help them get around the loss. But for the person who likes to dig into these ideas, he finds life is impossible without God. You know, that's what we were. He, the scripture says here, as, as the church, you were all, every one of us in this room, at one point, we were strangers and foreigners. We were without home. And now that you've found Christ, he has given you this home. And and you know what? Home is kind of a cool place because home is not only the place that you like, but is also, you know, there's two things that you want from home. Number one, you want love to never end. 
That's where you want home. Home is a place. Nobody goes to the altar and says, oh, I hope this lasts. You go to the altar and you say, I want this to last. I want love that will never end. I want it to always be there. Number two, you want to do a few things that will count. You do a few things that will count. You want to make a difference. And so we have our home in God because in God we get the love that never ends. I'm never rejected in Christ. Never. I I may fail. I may stumble. I may fall. But I've never been rejected by Christ. That is the greatest news in the world, folks. And that's what the church is. The church is his called out ones. We have been accepted in love. We have received his love. He is transforming us. We are never rejected by him. And number two, we get to do a few things that count. We get to do a few things that make a difference here in our life. Well, I'm hearing something out there, huh? That dramatic effect. Whoa. Don't play on your phones in church. Pretty soon I'm... Yeah, this is kind of cool. This is a day you'll never forget, folks. You'll never forget. We couldn't find the offering. We can't find a soundboard. It's kind of cool. Just mute everything but my mic, guys. It'll, it'll go away. That's the keyboard. I'll do you a little Phantom of the Opera for you guys, all right? Yeah. See, we can replace everybody with a machine, right? So, Anyhow, I have no clue what I was talking about. Give me a minute. I, that's why you bring notes. All right. <laughs> Anyhow, we're just human, folks. <laughs> we're just human. And, you know, I want to keep that always. Our church is not about a performance. Our church is about a group of people. And we are just human. We are the Mon Valley. We are, we are Pittsburgh, right? We speak Pittsburghese. We know how to speak local language. Now, that being said, your home is in Christ. And so we at all, at one point, we were strangers. We were foreigners. But now, look, he gives three pictures. And the three pictures, they get increasingly tighter and tighter and tighter. As the, as, as the picture gets tighter, you're going to see a relational tighter. You're going to see a proximity tightness. He says, you were once strangers and foreigners. So strangers and foreigners, you, had, you didn't have God. You didn't have this needs met inside. And you were like just wandering in a land, you know, a foreigner in a, in a land. He, just, he doesn't know the language. He doesn't fit in. He doesn't feel at home. He doesn't understand culture, nothing. But now you are fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens, he's talking about a nation. And you know, a, a nation, you, the king lives among his people, right? And so as the king lives among his people, you can be, you know, as a nation, we're citizens. And I am a U.S. citizen, you are a U.S. citizen, and we live within miles of each other, right? Within miles, I can be with a half a mile, I can be a hundred yards. But he goes a step further. He says, not only are you citizens with other saints, citizens with other believers, he says, you're now members of the household of God, So the analogy just went from nation down to family. So nation, we live within miles of each other. Family, we live within feet of each other. Uh Uh-oh, that's the hard part, right? In the church, we have this funnel. We go from being miles apart, and maybe this is where you're at this morning. You say, well, I'm connected, but I'm I'm not connected. I'm, I'm in the same culture, that's it. I want you to move to family and be be within feet of each other. 
And that's where, you know, sometimes when you get within feet of each other, that's where it starts to, starts to get hard. Sometimes we hurt each other, we get on each other's nerves. You know, it's just like it's your family, it's the way the church family is. It's good 90% of the time. 10% of the time you like to lose your mind, right? But this is what God says. You've moved to family, members of the household of God. And then he gives a third analogy. He says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So he says, on the foundation of what we're learning from God's word. He's referring to God's word, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, and the apostles here. He's talking about the apostles. Uh, what, what, Pat, Peter, James, and John. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They give us teachings in his word. So he says, based upon those, those there... Uh, these prophets, he says, with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. In other words, he says, the church is all about Jesus. The cornerstone. Listen, take out the prophets. It's Jesus. Take out anybody else. It's not about some hierarchy of church. It's Jesus. So he says, the chief cornerstone is Jesus. His word lays on Jesus. It's the foundation of Jesus. So we place it all in the chief cornerstone. You take out the cornerstone of Jesus, we have nothing. We don't, have, we don't have an ecclesia. We don't have the called out ones. He says it's Jesus and the apostles, the prophets, as they were led of the Spirit of God, their inspired word. We build upon that. And that is what our church is built on right here. Our church is not brick and mortar. He says that you now, he says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles, we'll go back there, please. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. We'll go to the next one. He says, in whom the whole, the, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, check this out. This is so cool. At one time, at one time, the uh, people believed that, that the dwelling place of God was in a temple. But now we see that the dwelling place of God is not in a temple but it's in his ecclesia. It's in his called out ones. Do you catch that? Folks, I've heard people, well-meaning people, get up here and they'll pray. Dear God, please uh, bless us for coming to your house today. Have you heard somebody say that? It's just real common. Bless us for coming to your house. God, we're so happy to be in the house of the Lord. That's a great saying, but it's not true. This is not God's house. He doesn't live here. He lives there. He lives with you. And when we all come together, we are his ecclesia. And according to this verse, now check it out. He says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place. You know what? I hear people tell me this all the time. People tell me this. They say, I came to your church And I cried through the entire service. I had one lady one time, she told me she pulled up on the parking lot. She said, I pulled into the parking lot. And as soon as I got out, I started crying. And I'll never forget that. Because it's like, I don't understand what was going on out there. Did the the parking lot attendants need breath mints? I don't know. know, Why would you cry on the parking lot, right? And I started to understand what it is. Here's what it is. The presence of the Lord is in this place when we are in this place. 
When we come together, he says he has built you. So God has built you into the church. So every one of us, you are an important part of the church to be a dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, you had to go to the temple and they saw the pillar of smoke. Now, we just get together and the pillar of smoke is there. We get together and boom. So I call our, 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 our times here, we call this a gathering. Because the church is not a building. The church gathers at 9.30. The church gathers at 11. The church gathers at Saturday night at 6. The, the, the church, the ecclesia. God's called out ones, meeting in life groups. We're getting ready to launch life groups. We're going to be meeting in smaller life groups. Meeting in men's groups, women's groups. We're going to meet in youth groups. We're going to meet downstairs. Right now, our ecclesia is meeting downstairs with three-year-olds. And God's gathering his ecclesia at three and four or five years old. And it's so cool. It's so exciting. And so God says, I want you to be a part of my, and I'm building this so that you can be the place where I live. Wow. Doesn't that give you a whole different th- theory about church now? How about, you know, sometimes the going gets rough at church, you know? Ah, oh, they change the color of the carpet. Oh, I mean, that happens. It'll probably happen soon again, I know, you know. Listen, guess what? You get mad over that, you get mad at Jesus. Wow. How much of it have we put in the way of Jesus? The carpet don't matter, guys. What song selection is don't matter. If I speak till 2 or I speak till 12, it don't matter. Well, maybe that does. Okay? But, but do you see what I'm saying? What do we do when we get together? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so the people who've told me that they cry when they get on the parking lot, we had one young man, he came up on Saturday night, you heard his testimony earlier this year, came up on Saturday night and sat there for three weeks, he didn't know what to do, he was afraid to come in. And then he finally came in on the fourth week, why? Because God was calling him, he goes, I don't even know why I'm coming here, I don't even know, I don't even understand. Now let me tell you this, our church is all about Jesus. I love my church because Jesus is here. Would you say that with me? I love my church because Jesus is here. And that is so important to us. I want, I want us to catch this because Jesus is what this church is all about. And what's important to Jesus is important to us. Would you say that with me? What's important to Jesus is important to us. Let, let me just share with you what, what is important to Jesus. You are important to Jesus. We're going to take the next few weeks and we're going, to, we're going to unfold a little bit about who we are. What makes Crossroads Crossroads? We are His Ecclesia. What are we doing here? But let me tell you, you matter to God. You absolutely matter to God. And because you are important to God, you are important to us. And, and, and so let me just read to you how important you are. This is so cool. Psalm 139.13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Then verse 17, this is so powerful. Psalm 139, verse 17. 
says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Go home and read that. Oh, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. Go home and memorize it because God says, I love you. I, I care about you. I knew your name before your mother knew your name. I knew the day you would be born before your mother knew the day you would be born. And so here, here's what I'm saying, folks. If God cares for you like that and we are his called out ones, what, he, what is important to him has got to be important to us. So in closing today, I want to invite you. There's two parts to the, to the challenge today. Number one, if you've not yet opened your heart to Christ, I want you to invite Jesus into your, into your heart. And just trust him and, and make it real. This is no longer about playing church. Let the gospel of Jesus Christ come in and transform your life. How horrible it would be for somebody to go to church all their life and not been transformed by the power of God. Let him come in and trust him today. Number two, if, you're, if what's important to Jesus is important to us. If you're important to Jesus, you're important to us. And so I, I'm reminded of... Uh, Pastor Jim. You know Jim, Pastor Jim, right? Many of you know Pastor Jim Watts. He was on the porch for probably 20 years, you'd see him out there. And uh, for many of you, you remember Pastor Jim when you first came, and you remember that Jim remembered your name. How many of that's the case? You remember Pastor Jim, okay? Look at that, all over this church. You came back the following Sunday, Pastor Jim knew your name. Pastor Jim hasn't been on the porch for the past six months his wife's battling cancer and my heart's broken but I'll tell you what I have people come to me every Sunday and say how's Jim doing you know what I like about Jim he remembered my name you know what that's what Jesus is he knows your name now Jim's not at the door anymore we've got a good team out there Pastor Al and a few other greeters. But I think that we can all be Jim Watts's. I think that we all, you don't have to stand at the porch to do this, folks. I'm going to, here's my challenge, to meet two people today that you don't know. People that maybe you see them, you don't know their name. Uh, just go over and I'm going to tell you, this is how this works. You go over and you go, hi, I'm Ken. And you stick out your hand. And if they don't want to shake it, they won't. Don't worry about it, Okay. And so, you know, some people are germophobes. They'll go, okay. But just go and say, hi, I'm Ken. And, and get two people's name this week. And when you come back next week, look for them and say, hi. You see, because the church is not about numbers. You're not a number. You are a name. And this church will never be about numbers. I won't let it happen. We're about people. We're about people being transformed. We're about Jesus transforming lives. We're about Jesus. And so whenever you go and you meet people, guess what? I want everybody to be a Jim Watts today. And I want you to take the challenge to meet two people that you don't know. You know, it's real easy to go on our path because if you have a, a kid in kindergarten, all the kindergarten people are on the same path. I want you to bump into somebody that doesn't have a kindergartner today. And maybe if you're a long time since you had a kid in a kindergartner, right? Maybe you, you've, uh, your kids are in college age. Go meet the kindergartners. Or maybe you've got great-grandchildren that are kindergartners. You go meet the grandchildren. 
And let's learn people's names. Because we'll never learn how to love unless we learn their name first. Let's start there today. That's my challenge. Would you just reach out to, just look around the church. I'm telling you, this is why you had a hard time getting into this service. Because number one, I want a little overtime. Number two, I asked everybody to do this and people just wouldn't leave today. And that's what I want to ask you to do. Don't rush out of here. Look at the person in front of you, behind you, to the side. This isn't that cheesy greeting time in church, folks. That's cheesy time. This is, hi, I'm glad you're here. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I just want to ask you to, I want to ask you to trust Christ. Maybe some of you, God's been pounding at your heart. Maybe you've been in church for a long time. But God's been pounding at your heart. Would you surrender to him this morning? Just just raise the white flag of surrender to Jesus and say, Okay, I'm coming to you today, Lord. And just pray with me and just say, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me and I invite you into my life right now if that's you and you've done that just with our heads bowed and eyes closed if you prayed and trusted Christ and and you meant it you're you're reaching out to Jesus I'm going to ask you just to to reach forward into the the seat in front of you you'll see there's a a connection card Would would you just write your name on that connection card and on the back it says today I trusted Christ. Would you just check that box? Stop it by our Next Steps Information Center in the foyer, and we'll, we'll follow up. We'll give you some more encouraging good news to help you in that relationship with Jesus. And for others in this place, I think everyone in this room, we, we can take the challenge to meet two people today and to, and to, and to warmly welcome them. And to warmly welcome, you know, maybe they've been here a long time, you never knew their name. Or maybe they just started coming today. Reach out. Put the hand out and just say, hi, my name. Nice to meet you. And let's start. And that's what God will do. Hashtag I love my church. Because God loves his church. Lord, be with us as we leave this place today, God. I pray that as we take this challenge on this morning, just to meet people, to be friendly, to invite each other into the community of God, Lord, we ask that you'll do revolutionary things in our church. God, use us for your glory as we leave this place. In your name we pray.